Well, welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, husband, father of nine, founder of Familias, fly fisherman, and outdoor enthusiast living in the beautiful California Central Valley. For the video of this podcast, please view it on the Familias YouTube channel. We welcome today's guest, Michael Hempseed. Now, Michael is the director of Frontiers of Hope, a specialist mental health service. He is also the co-author of Calming Your Child, De-Escalating Tantrums, Anxiety, Aggressions, and Other Challenging Behaviors, which was published by Familias. He's also the author of Being a True Hero, Understanding and Preventing Suicide in Your Community. He has spoken to Frontera, New Zealand Post, Fire and Emergency New Zealand, and many others. Michael gained an honors degree in psychology from the University of Canterbury in 2008, and in 2016, he spoke at TEDx. Today, we're talking about how to help our children deal with anxiety and stress during the holidays and upcoming new year. This podcast aligns with the familiar habits, learn together, love together, and give together. You can learn more about the familiar 10 habits of happy families by going to the Habit Hub blog on familias.com. Michael, thank you for taking time from actually your tomorrow, our today, for joining us. Great to be here. So now let's just start. Are you seeing in your work that there are more anxiety and stress issues with our children than there were 10, 20 years ago? Even um, two or three years ago, we've just been inundated with very young children displaying not just behaviors that represent you know, a little bit of anxiety. We are seeing severely anxious children. Um, they're often so anxious they can't go to school. Um, they might throw up multiple times. They might have multiple panic attacks throughout the day. And that's not the way that life is supposed to be. By and large, I believe that you know most people should be able to wake up. Yes, life can have challenges, but overall, life should be enjoyable. And for many children, life is anything but enjoyable. And also for their families, this has a massive impact on their family. I was talking to a family recently. They've had, the mum and the dad have had to both take about six months off work to look after a very unwell child. So it has a huge impact on the whole family unit. It's tragic. And you're seeing it globally or just, or is it locally? Uh, Globally. Possibly in New Zealand, we've had a few more challenges. The city I live in, we had a series of major earthquakes 10 years ago, and we're seeing um, the after effects of that still. But I think globally, um, the effects of COVID have had a massive impact on families. Whether you um, even agree with you know, necessarily all the things governments have done, just living in the world um, of COVID, it will have had a massive impact on you, whether you like it or not. So so in your book, Calming Your Child, if I remember right, you bring up sensory issues. Can you help us understand what are sensory issues with our children and why are they important for us to understand and recognize? Yeah. So a simple way to understand this is if you had, say, 30 people in a room and they were all watching a TV and that TV was set to a medium volume, most people would hear that TV at a medium volume. But if you've got sensory issues, you perceive the world more intensely or more softly than other people. So someone with sensory issues listening to that TV could hear that as an exceptionally loud and jarring sound. It could be as if someone's banging a hammer on an anvil next to their ear. So how easy would it be to stay calm if you were in that situation, if you felt like every time you heard a sound, 
there was this really jarring and attacking um, thing that came out. And it's not just with sounds, it's with all the other senses as well. Uh, the specialist mental health service that I run, in a six-month period, we had 120 people come to us. This was all ages. 118 had moderate to severe sensory issues. So this is something that we are seeing more and more of, particularly with younger children. And I think this is one of the reasons we're seeing so much anxiety and so many behavioral problems across the world. You know, and I have specific experience with this. I have a child, a young daughter, who has what we believe is misophonia. And she wears headphones almost everywhere she goes because the sounds that she hears, whether it's the tires on the road, whether it's someone breathing, whether it's someone chewing food, whether it's someone just moving their leg against fabric, the words I would say, it's, it's excruciating for her. And it becomes very hard for her to be calm when she's perceiving this sound a much, in a much different way than we are. And I think it's really important to remember that, um, take that, um, for example, clothing rubbing against itself. To us, most of us, that doesn't feel like anything. And it's very easy for us to say, well, it doesn't bother me. So therefore, it won't be a problem to someone else. But the way that we perceive the world is not the way that other people perceive it. So it's really important to try and listen carefully to what people say with this, how these people describe their experiences, and to take it seriously. I do a lot of talks with teachers all over the country, and when I explain what sensory issues are, they often start to understand, oh, so this is why we're having so many behavioral problems. It's not that people are bad or you know, they're deliberately acting out. They are highly distressed and overwhelmed by the world in many cases. Okay, so let's talk about that. When children act out, when they have behavior maybe that we, we find troublesome, are they communicating to us? What are they trying to say? Yeah, so one of the things that's important to know is that children don't have a fully developed brain and they often struggle to communicate as well as adults do. And even adults, you know, when we lose our car keys and we're running late for an important meeting, sometimes we don't show the best behavior. Sometimes we yell, sometimes we scream, sometimes we get upset. And within that, what we're trying to say is, I'm distressed, I'm unhappy, things are not going to plan, I'm in a bad situation and I don't know what to do about it. And that's when children act out. That's what's happening for them. It's really important to know that children don't um, just throw chairs through windows for the sake of it. You know, no child wakes up in the morning and thinks, today I really want to spend time in detention where I really want to have things go wrong. The only reason they do this is they often have some really big and complex emotions that they don't know how to manage. And so a lot of the, what we call bad behavior, is often just total overwhelm total overload, they don't know how to express themselves. And so therefore, it comes out as, you know, punching, kicking, yelling, running away, all these sorts of things. So it's really important that we don't just write a child off as being bad or naughty. And um, one of the things that horrifies me with a lot of influences on the internet is they're starting to say things like, is your child a narcissist? Is your child a psychopath? And I suppose in the odd case, it could be true. But by and large, these children are not narcissists. They are not psychopaths. They are very, very distressed. And we need to talk. We need to look at this. We need to find the right help and support so that they can be calm. Okay, so now it's, that's very helpful. We need to recognize that how we view the world is not how other people view the world or how our children view the world. And when yeah. people act out, they're actually communicating. We need to be... We need to be sensitive to what they're communicating. And, and 
perhaps, perhaps be more observant. I just, I just picked something up on that. One of the problems is they often don't know what's upsetting them. So many times people come to us, they're referred to us by an adult and you know they're showing some quite aggressive behavior and the adult doesn't really know what's going on. And then we talked before about sensory issues. So many people don't realize they have sensory issues because they've grown up with this their whole life. And they think, well, this is normal. This is what everyone experiences. So sometimes that communication is, you know, it'd be so much easier if they could just tell us what's going on. But sometimes they don't realize, and that's where we need specialist adults that actually know about some of these things to try and work it out. Okay, that's helpful. Now let's talk about the, the holidays. We're going to be entering the holidays, whether it's regardless of, of many different countries and traditions, and we're going to be entering a new year. Why is this time of year? often a very stressful time for families with children and for children. There's so many reasons. The first and most obvious one is probably finances. Finances tend to be more stressed during the holidays and those people feel they need to spend money on buying lots of expensive presents. One of the other things that sometimes people forget about is often you have family coming over and sometimes families don't get on very well. So there might be this relative that a child doesn't particularly like having to have them, say, stay in the family home for a few days. Some of these things can be very stressful. So sometimes it's not just about the money. It can be about all the other factors that um, the holidays bring. Um, you might have noticed the clothes I'm wearing. I think it's really important to try and really reclaim that fun of the holidays. And unfortunately today, I just hear so many people say, I just want Christmas to be over. I just want to get past this time. I hate it. And I'd really challenge people to try and work out well, what is making this so stressful and is there a way to avoid this? Because we don't have to be stressed at this time of year. There are other things we can do. Okay, so let's take time to think about what can we do? And what can we do to help the holidays be less stressful time? What can we do to help our children have their anxiety reduced? Are there professional help or things that we do? Do you have some ideas for us? I certainly do. One of the things that we often underestimate is the power of volunteering. And this is something that I think we should try and instill in our children. There's so much research that says if you help someone else, not only will that other person feel better, but you'll also feel much better yourself. One example, I think, is in elderly homes. There are so many people that are there, and unfortunately, they often get forgotten about. They have no one to visit them. So if you have a child that's maybe acting out, could you take them to see some people at a rest home that have got no one there? And often uh, children might be a bit nervous about this at the start. They might think, oh, I don't really know what to say. But if you coach them through this, give them some good opening questions, such as, you know, what's the biggest change you've seen in your lifetime? Things like that. What you'll often find is that the older person, well, they feel a lot better because they've had some human contact. But you also start to find often young people get a real sense of purpose out of this. The other thing that volunteering can do is sometimes it can make our problems smaller. Sometimes when we see, you know, there's this homeless shelter and there are these people living on the street, maybe the fact that I didn't get the latest Xbox game this Christmas isn't quite so important. So volunteering is also a great way to put our problems in perspective. Okay, so that's wonderful. That falls into the familiar habit of happy families. Give together. We can give time. We can give our talents. We can help provide resources to those who would benefit from those. And that's a great way to help children learn to give back and think less about themselves 
a little bit more about others. So that's helpful. Now, what about things that we might be able to do to help during the time? It's it's a very busy time. Is should we be helping our children have more a different diet, having them more sleep? What do you recommend there? Again, with all these things, if they become really stressful, do be careful about those because sometimes I think people say, "Oh, you know, you must have X, Y, and Z." It actually becomes a burden for people. One of the things we do know is that sleep is really, really important. Uh, I think the longest chapter in the book is on sleep. And the reason we made it the longest chapter is because we know that if you don't sleep well, you don't feel good the next day. We know you're more prone to anger. And in extreme cases, we even know that people are sleep deprived are more likely to die by suicide. I think there can be a temptation in the holidays to, well, let's get up early, let's get everything done, let's make the most of this time. In the modern world, we don't seem to value rest much. We seem to have to have this idea that we have to always be busy and have to always look like we're doing things. Sometimes just letting a child sleep in. If they're exhausted, let them get the sleep they need. Maybe that means you don't um, get quite as many Christmas activities done. But sometimes just valuing that sleep. And a good way to know whether people are getting enough sleep or not is when they wake up naturally. If they wake up naturally that's usually a good sign they're getting the sleep they need. And what we all know as adults, if we don't get a good night's sleep, we're not at our best. You know, we all know that we're cranky, we're angry. There's no adult in the world, I'm sure, that hasn't had a bad night's sleep and then not been the best person to be around the next day. So um, just simple things like that can make such a difference for children, letting them get the sleep they need. One, you'll be happier because you won't have to deal with as many behavioral problems and they'll also be happier. I totally agree. I found that when I'm stressed, I just need to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Get enough sleep. Okay. Now, how do we know and what advice do you have in terms of w- that we should identify and need professional help for our children? I think sometimes there's a temptation that whenever children show the slightest signs of behavioral problems, we rush them off to see a counselor. Now, I do run a counseling service, so I'm not against counseling. But as I said before, sometimes there's things like volunteering. Sometimes these are things that we should try first rather than just rushing people off to a counsellor. If we need a counsellor for every little thing that goes wrong, we are soon going to run out of counsellors. And around the world, there is a long wait list. I also think it's important to know what is normal behaviour. If you have a child that has, you know, one bad day and they get upset, that's actually considered part of life. Sometimes families say, oh no, something's terribly wrong here. Well, it is actually normal for children to have some tantrums. It is normal for them to have some bad days. That is part of life. However, if you are seeing this day in, day out, there's no reprieve. If you're seeing things like, for example, a child has recurring nightmares maybe four or five times throughout a night, and this is not just one bad night, but this is happening every day, it's been happening for the last six months, that's probably a sign you'd need professional help. If every single day a child is so anxious, they bawl their eyes out at the thought of going to school, they punch, they kick you. Again, if this is recurring and ongoing, that's probably a sign someone needs more help. So it's not just necessarily how bad the behavior is, it's more whether it's recurring. And also, what impact is this having on your life? If as a family, for example, you've said, you know what, we just don't go out to social events anymore because little Johnny, he always acts up. If this is having an impact on your family's life, it is also something to consider as a um, reason to get help for. That's very helpful. This has been a wonderful podcast and giving us some ideas of how to 
maybe manage our expectations for the holidays, make it a less stressful and more enjoyable time? And when to consider getting professional help? Is there anything else you might mention to us as parents and as families that you think could help us during the next few months in this new year as we think about helping our children in their own life? One of the things that I think is missing so much from the modern world is fun. But just take McDonald's as an example. If you think back to McDonald's in the 1990s, there were these bright, colourful buildings. And then today when you go to McDonald's, it's this grey, dull, depressing building. And you just think, you know, this is supposed to be a fun place for children. And that's just one example. There's many, many others. But in the modern world, we don't seem to have a place for fun. There's such an emphasis on when children get home, You've got to spend three or four hours doing homework, otherwise you won't get into Harvard Medical School. And fun has been erased from the world. And one of the other chapters that's quite long in the book is the chapter on free play. Um, Just allowing children to go to the park by themselves, not having rigid, orchestrated things for them to do, but actually allow them to play and have fun. And we often think, well, you know, that's just wasting time. But one of the things we know is that children that do have um, a lot of free play They grow up to be much better adults. They are much better at problem solving. They're often much better at social interaction. And that's when a child learns the stuff for themselves. If they have an adult always standing over them, they don't learn these skills. If a child goes to the park and they want to go on the swings, if an adult says to the child that's on the swings, get off, my child wants to play, well, they don't actually learn those negotiation skills. But if you send a child to the park by themselves age appropriately, of course, and they have to, if they want to go on the swings and there's another child on there, they have to learn to talk to that child and negotiate. And so some of these skills really do help us in life. One final study that we mentioned in the book, there was a fascinating study that found that everyone that won a Nobel Prize in the sciences, the greatest academic prize you can have, they also had an artistic or musical hobby. So we often think things like this get in the way of, you know, science and maths. We just need to get rid of all this art and music nonsense, and then we can actually have people that will achieve far more in life. The opposite of that has been found. If you want your child to excel, actually making them have a musical or artistic hobby helps. Now, there's a difference between saying to someone, you will sit down and listen and play the piano for five hours and you will be perfect at it, and, you know, giving them an instrument and letting them play it and enjoy it. It's the enjoyment that they get from it, not forcing someone to do it, which is important. And I notice on the screen behind you, you've got two guitars. So I take it that's something that's important to you. Music is very important to our family. Everyone plays multiple instruments. It's something that that we just encourage. It's it's part of their schooling. They need to learn piano. They need to learn a string instrument. And and I've, I've said to them, I've never met an adult who learned to play an instrument and wasn't grateful for it. And I've never met an adult who had stopped playing an instrument and didn't regret it. Yeah, absolutely. So these are some of the skills that we need to teach people. It's not just all about you know, maths, English, and science. Um, there's a lot of studies that show the amount of homework that children are doing these days has dramatically increased. And even at a very young age, at age four, we're now seeing children in some cases doing two or three hours maths or something like that. That takes all the fun out of life. So we need to reclaim fun. Fun is actually very important. That will help a child's overall well-being. Very helpful. And just to, to, get, to put a plug in, uh, Pam Lobley, a feminist author, wrote a book called Why Can't We Just Play? Where for one summer, 
She canceled all extracurricular activities and just let her children play. And it's a marvelous book that explores the value that she and her family and children learned from just being allowed to have free play. And one last thing, it probably is apocryphal, but during World War II, I heard that some people in Parliament had recommended they fund the war by canceling art. And Winston Churchill said, well, then what are we fighting for? (laughs) So, well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our guests find you online? Uh, So I've got a website, michaelhempsey.com, and then to the book, it's available on Amazon. Um, It's available as an audio book and a print book. Wherever books are sold globally, Call Me Your Child is available. Well, as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familias for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familias. One step at a time, one book at a time, we can make the world a happier place. <laughs>